hard to, to grab some candy this week, I would encourage you to do so. There's a list actually in your bulletin. If you look at that list, there's several things. I know in our staff meeting, the ladies were saying we really need to make sure we get our baked goods in here as well. So whether if you want to bake some cookies, some brownies, buy some candy, whatever it is. And also, let me throw this out there. Those are important, but the biggest thing we need is prayer. Make sure that you lift it up in prayer. This You can start now praying for all the kids and families that are going to come. This is one of the greatest outreaches we have in this church. Also, two, if you've never been, I want to encourage you to come. If you don't have children, come anyway. I've had folks come that didn't have kids. In fact, we still have some folks come that haven't had kids in a long time. And they come just to see all the smiling faces and all the the joy that's wrought throughout the the whole event. So I want to encourage you to lift it up in prayer. Pray for the kids. Pray for the families. Pray for the workers. Bring the candy and things of that nature. Bottom line, God has it under control. But isn't it great that we can be His hands and feet in the midst of Him having it under control? Amen? So be praying for that. Also, too, in November, be be thinking about this. We have a a three-day event starting a Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night. Uh, someone's coming to speak a, a mini-revival, if you will, as, as unity within the church and teamwork within the church. That's going to be a, a great thing. I think it's 13, 14, 15 is the dates. I'm not sure, but that'll be in your bulletin as also. But there's a whole lot coming up, guys. This is a, the, year, the time of the year where we have all these holidays and all this stuff coming together. Make sure to be looking at your... I say look at your bulletins. We don't have bulletins today. Our, our printer broke down. We had like 12, she said. Normally, look in your bulletin. So hopefully we'll have that back. Oh, they told me you were camping. We just prayed for your camping trip. All right. Boy, if I'm going to start praying for everybody's camping, if they're just going to all of a sudden show up like this. <laughs> well, pray the Lord. Praise God. I prayed your camp went well. So it was a little after the fact, I guess, but great. Um, Praise the Lord. Okay, before we close in prayer, this uh, before we go into the next portion, Corey's got a announcement he's going to share with you. Good morning. Some of you guys might remember this summer we partnered with four other churches and had a mission united where. Uh, a big portion of it was we went to San Antonio and worked with a ministry called Ethnos Kids Club. And what we did is we had a backyard Bible study at uh, their apartment complexes. This ministry is actually uh, centered in the middle of four different low-income apartment complexes in San Antonio. And we're going to partner with them again. They've asked us if we can maybe do like a coat-slash-winter clothes drive. Uh, they were telling me you'd be surprised how many kids are running out uh, in the winter with just T-shirts, some no shirts at all. Uh, some of us might have witnessed that this summer when we saw toddlers running around with just underwear, and that was it. So what we actually did is we're going to start this. It's going to be a 30-day event. These are just some of the things. I know it's Texas, so it doesn't get super, super cold. So mainly we're looking for stuff like uh, hoodies, flannels, long sleeve shirts, stuff like that. Uh, jackets, if you have jackets, uh, coats as well. Uh, we're going to do it until the 6th of November. And my goal is to fill this container up at least 10 times. I will tell you, after talking to the youth group on Thursday, they wanted to throw a challenge to the adults of the church. We have another container just like that in the youth room. I will tell you, it's already filled. And they challenge you guys that they can fill their container up more than you guys can. So what we're going to do is we're going to put this in the back of the sanctuary. And you guys can bring it each time we fill it up. I'll mark it down and I'll throw it in the trash bag for you guys. Yeah. All right. Thank you, sir. Amen. Now, that's just, but there's teenagers too, right? So teenagers. it doesn't have to be just small coats if you yeah. got larger guys, coats. I bought these three because, you know, my boy's a little too old. I bought these three at the thrift store for less than $7. So, All right. Awesome. So if you'd like to help with the coat run there, just uh, whatever you have around the house, or you may go to the thrift store, something like that. All right. Brother Bob's got our scripture reading this morning. Should I give a disclaimer or you will? Or just do it. <laughs> just do it. There you go. Father God, I just praise your name for my brother's willingness to come and share. And may we open our hearts and our ears, and may your will be done in this, Lord. And as you bless him and his family for his willingness to open the Scripture and share with us. In Jesus' name, amen. And I was just kidding. I'm not worried about it.
right. So, Momo, you want to throw up the first picture for me? Do you want to use the microphone? Nah, I'll just talk loud. Okay, so anybody can tell me what this is? I think it's granite. Okay, here we have iron ore. Okay, so Momo's gonna black this out and she's all by herself back there, so if there's a delay, that's why. So. Um, and she's going to put up another picture for us, and again, I want y'all to look at that and see if you can tell me what it is. It's also <coughs> Copper ore. Okay. So, you can go ahead and clear it out. So, those two things right there are a couple of the main ingredients in steel. Correct? Okay. So, I'm going to have a couple other things for y'all, and I want to see if y'all can identify it. So, I'm going to walk these around so y'all can all see them pretty good, and then afterwards I'll ask y'all if y'all can guess what it is. So, this is the first thing we have. And I'll come back around the side so y'all can see it too. Right now. Okay. So, 
Let me take this real quick. I didn't. This is going to go into a serial killer, aren't you? No, I'm not. No worries. So, we're saying instead of hostility, we're going Churchill. Okay. Okay, guys. There it is. Still useless? Like I said, like I said, guys, let's imagine that that magazine did have bullets in it. Is it is it functional now? Is it possible for it to operate as it's supposed to? Right there on the table by itself. Okay, so it needs hands to guide it and tell it what to do, right? Okay, so let's look real quick. We're gonna flip over to Ephesians. Not Ephesians. We're gonna hit that second. We're gonna hit Romans first. Romans 12. And we're gonna be and we're gonna be in verses three through eight. So again, this is a section of scripture y'all have heard all the time, so just bear with me on it. It says, For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly, as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many and are in one body, and individually members of one another, According to the gifts given to us, according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the standard of one's faith. If service and service, if teaching and teaching, if exhorting and extortion, giving with generosity, leading, leading with diligence, showing mercy and cheerfulness. So, we've heard that before. We've heard that we're all parts of one body. What we don't often think about is when we look at that verse and we think of we all have a function within the church, but what we don't think about is if we have a body part that's injured, like for example right now, I have a messed up mouth and so it's hard for me to talk and if you can tell I'm kind of have a lisp sometimes and I'm stuttering a lot, it's because it's really hurting me to talk, but if we have an injured part of our body, are we able to function the way we're supposed to? No. If that gun didn't have that recoil spring, could it operate the way it's supposed to? The barrel, the bullets, any of it. Okay, so what I'm getting at with this, we're going to look at Ephesians 4.16, and this will tell us what I'm trying to get to. Ephesians 4.16 says, First, from him the whole body, fitted and knit together by supporting ligaments, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself, and loved by the proper working of each individual part. So, where am I going with this? That gun by itself, or missing a part, is not going to function the way it's supposed to. Just like we and our bodies, physical bodies, and as a body of Christ, Without functioning the way we're supposed to, we are subtracting from that body of Christ. And that's something we don't think about very often. If we're not using our gifts in the way God has called us to use our gifts, then we are not only hurting ourselves and drawing ourselves down, but we are detracting from the body of Christ as well. So, I just wanted to point that out and ask y'all as you go through the week, ask yourselves, that iron ore and the copper ore that we saw, Eventually, it gets processed, gets manufactured, and gets made into steel. That steel can be used for multiple purposes, but by itself, it's useless. It's nothing. Are you like that steel? Do you have a purpose in your life? Do you have your gift? Do you know what it is? Are you like any of the individual gun parts that I showed you? Do you, do you have a purpose, but you're not part of a bigger assembly? Do you know... Are you able to work with each other and with other Christians 
in order to fulfill God's will and God's purpose for you? Are you like the gun sitting there now, where you're equipped, you're with your whole body, but are you lacking the hands and the guidance that you need to actually be functional? Or are you functional right now? That's what I would ask you to consider this week. Let's pray. God, we thank you today for this illustration, the illustration that you just gave to me this morning. Um, we just ask you to help us to seek within ourselves to see where we stand in our walk with you. And we just ask you if we're lacking the hands that are necessary to take the action you would require us to, that you would just show us your will and show us your way. And we just ask you to guide us as we go about our days. And we just thank you for all the blessings you provide for us and for each other to help us function the way we're supposed to and to achieve your goal. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless the Lord. Great to be in his house of worship, right? Let's lift the Lord up together. It is still
God, we've got a, a song we want to share with you real quickly, but um, there's a couple of scriptures that I want to share 
before we go into this song. Try not to picture Brian in a Ray Mysterio mask when we're singing this song. I can, I can so picture him coming off the top rope in a Ray Mysterio mask while we're singing this. But um, we tend to think about sometimes we have like the media and even like the cartoonish picture of Satan, like the little guy on your shoulder. On this side, you got the devil and he's red and just sitting here telling you what not to do. And on this side, you got the little angel whispering back. I mean, sometimes we tend to think of Jesus as, or I mean, I'm sorry, of Satan as this cute little, this little guy, but he's a very, very powerful being, very, very powerful. And um, if it wasn't for Jesus, there's no way that we can match Satan on our own. There's just no way. He's extremely power, powerful. So um, in Ephesians 6.12, it says, For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against the authorities, against the the world powers of darkness against spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. And I think that um, in Jude, in the book of Jude, in verse 9, the archangel Michael, the archangel Michael gave us a great example of what we're supposed to do when we're facing a battle with the devil. And it says, Yet Michael, the archangel, when he was disputing with the devil in a debate about Moses' body, did not dare bring up an abusive condemnation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. So whenever we're facing a spiritual battle, whenever we're facing the evil of Satan, there's no way that we can stand on our own. We have to call on, on Jesus. And um, when, when God first laid this song in my heart, I, I could see why, like, I could see... I used to be really like kind of judgmental about the Israelites when the Lord would tell them to do something and they didn't listen to him. But I could see why because I started to say, Lord, they're just going to think this is a silly song. But um, the Lord asked me to do this song a few weeks ago and then Pastor preached about um, battling, battling in spiritual warfare. And I thought I really should have did that song. But um, I think that there's a really good message in this, even if it's a simple song. I hope that you'll like it and you'll take away the message. If Shani was here, she'd really give me a hard time because sometimes when songs are really short, I add another verse. <laughs> and she tells me that you're not supposed to do that. But um, I think if we're, not, if we're not making any kind of profit on it and we're singing it to God, that it's okay to do that. So if you know this song and you see there's another verse, it's not because I've gone off my rock or anything. We just added a, a verse to the end of it. So um, I hope you like it. It's called, If the Devil Wants to Wrestle. If your soul out there and your heart is filled with doubt, it's in the shadow when the candle goes out in the devil.
And Bob, I think uh, the Lord told you to wait on that because that fits the sermon, brother. Amen. Hallelujah. So when you're down and you're in the dark and the devil wants to wrestle, put Jesus in the ring. In other words, when everything's going bad and everything's getting dark and everything's going tough and you're without hope, you need a hero to step in, right? And that hero is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That is our sermon today. That we need heroes. Amen? We need heroes. We really and truly do. And that's what I want us to think about this morning. Turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Because we're going to look at, at heroes, if you will. You know, one of my... Annabelle and I, Friday night, got to watch one of my favorite movies of all time. And that is the, the original 1960s, or 1960 actually, movie, The Magnificent Seven. And if you've watched that movie, it is about a bunch of heroes. These seven guys come together. And I'm not, I'm not talking that it was a, a hero movie because of all these big-name actors. They had Yul Brynner, Charles Bronson, Steve McQueen, and others. It was, it was about these guys that come in to this town that was truly without hope. And just as we sang about, when we're without hope, we need a hero. And that's what this Magnificent Seven, this movie was absolutely filled with heroes. How do we keep, if you think about the question this morning, how do we keep faith when our hopes uh, are, 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 seem hopeless? When the situation around us seems hopeless, how in the world can we keep hope alive around us? Now, consider this for just a moment. How did the Israelites do it? My brother was mentioning about the Israelites. When God sent John the Baptist preaching to the people, this was their hero. This provided for them a symbol of hope during a time that seemed absolutely hopeless. They didn't know where else to turn at this point. They didn't know what was going on. Now, these past few two or three weeks, as you know, having my knee replaced, most of what I have done has been sitting in a chair, and I guess this is what kind of gave me the, the idea. I've been reading a lot of these Louis L'Amour magazines. I don't know if you've ever read Louis L'Amour magazines and Louis L'Amour books and such, but the magazines are, are like three or four page stories. And what happens in every Louis L'Amour ma- article, there's a hero. There is a hero. There is somebody in need of a hero, and a hero comes around. And as I was doing this reading, and, and I can't help, these magazines filled with these short stories, they get your blood pumping. I found myself, even though my leg is propped up, I'm still kind of trying to get on the edge of my seat as I'm trying to read what's coming next because I know what's going to transpire. I know the story basically in the back of my mind, but yet how is he going to pull it off again? It, 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 how's this hero going to come in and save the day? I almost like see them as a movie in my mind as I read these short stories, as I read these books, as I read these kinds of stories. And I can almost envision the, the, the hope that the good people felt in the old, old Western movies when the white hat cowboy would ride into town. Even it, I've watched that movie, The Magnificent Seven, probably I don't know how many times, a whole bunch of times. And still Friday night with Annabelle, I'm still watching it, feeling that sense of hope from these guys and what's going on in that storyline and what's transpiring there as, a, as, the, as the good guys come riding into town. How many of those old westerns when the white hat cowboy would come riding onto the screen? I, I can't help but wonder what happened to all those, those, those old westerns and movies and things of that nature. Now, The Magnificent Seven, <clears throat> I can't wait to go see it. It's been remade. Unfortunately, I've been told, I haven't seen it yet, they change it up some because they get away from that, from a lot of that storyline because that's just not where the Hollywood wants to go today. But that's the way it truly was in the beginning. Americans enjoyed reading a good Western story or, or watching a, a true treat was watching a shoot 'em up movie. You know, watching these white hat cowboys coming in and, and saving the day. Even now, I, I went and watched a movie with Annabelle, uh, a, a kid's movie, but in the hallway, they have these old old uh, billings, the, the old posters of the old movies. And even today, looking at those old movies hanging inside the theaters, I still get excited. Even though that movie's 60, 50 years old, I still think, man, I bet that movie was awesome. Because you see them swashbuckling and coming in and riding their horse in, and you know they're coming to, to save the day. Now, I would say this. All those movies meant more. We as Americans, we needed... A hero. Western movies had more to, 
to offer than just Hollywood's attempt at, 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 at trying to manufacture entertainment. We as Americans, we needed that. We needed entertainment. They spoke volumes about the, the success of the American society, how we as a people, a country, come from the rural gunslinger towns portrayed in the movies to this, to this world superpower. And we needed to know that we were wearing the white hat. We needed to see that we were basing our country built upon morality, that we were built on good guys. Was it really a, a myth or was it truth that America was being built on this good, clean living that, by, by people that lived by a code of conduct? And these movies were strengthening that code of conduct. It was strengthening that the right life, the man who's going to win the day, is the man who lives by a code of conduct, the man that has morality in his life, the people that chose to live by morality. The white-hatted good guys that would come riding in understood that peace talk with a desperado was absolutely worthless because they had no morality. That the only thing that a person whom uh, crossed the line from good to evil understood was, was as Steve McQueen said Friday, hot lead. We said, we deal in hot lead. And, and I'm trying to get the movie out of my mind as I preach, but still, there was a lot of good stuff in that movie that would preach. We need to understand that, that, that good guy in those movies is the same kind of hero that we see and that we need every day in our lives. We need to understand that, that our hero needs to be a hero that has that morality, that is based on that good guy. In the Westerns, one thing was for sure, that the, the white good guy, white-hatted good guy, had to have the courage. He had to come in. He had to live on that life. He had to show that he was moral, and he had to come in, and he had to have the courage. Like, like Bob was pointing out with his gun, you have all these little pieces. All these pieces don't mean anything. That weapon is just a bunch of pieces until that weapon is put together and put in the hands of the man who has the courage to draw it out and pull the trigger against the evil one, against the bad guys, against the oppressors. He had to be able to take out the oppressors and the evil so that he could be continue to carry out and share and, and, and extend that morality. As Christians, we need to be able to do the same thing. We need to be able to have the courage to look to our hero, to look to what it means to have a hero, look at the lifestyle of that hero, and then go out and share that with others. In the Western movies, the themes did not change that much. They, they, they stayed the same because they had to feed the social needs of the people. People need heroes. We need to believe that, that there is hope that there's, there's strength and goodness. We need to know that right still prevails. We need to understand that, that the bad guy does not always win. When everything is hopeless, we talked about this in Sunday school earlier, when no matter how bad everything else may be, I can still stand firm and still draw my weapon and do what needs to be done. Why? Because I know I stand upon the moral character that was indwelt in me by my hero, Jesus Christ. No matter how turbulent your life may seem, you can have hope in the midst of the hopelessness if your life is founded on the morality of a hero, of the hero that we know to be Jesus Christ. Our white hat hero when it comes to the movies, when it comes to, the, to our Louis Lamore westerns and such as that, that white hatted hero, when he comes riding up in there, he, we knew that he stood for good. Where the black hatted guy... He robbed and made life uh, uh, oppressive for everyday good people. He was going to come in and do everything he could to hurt people. For our white-hatted man, he was going to come in and clean house. He was going to come in and take care of the situation, do what needed to be done. The black-hatted guys, they come in, their single purpose was to intimidate and, and oppress good, hard-working people, just like Bob Corrigan shared just a few minutes ago. Satan's idea, he is not some cute little red uh, jerry mouse. He is wanting to come in. He wants to oppress. He wants to hurt. He wants to destroy. He wants to tear down. He wants to seek you out and devour you. And he can make your life seem hopeless. But our hope was always restored when the good guys come into the screen. When the good guys came in and, and we knew that they were soon to be rescued. When the good guys come in, there's this strong character come, come riding in wearing the white hat, living that code of goodness, that code of conduct that we knew. We, as, as watching the Westerns, reading the magazines, we knew that as bad as the desperados were, as dire as the situation seemed, when the hero come riding into the scene, 
things are going to change. As Bob said, when we could cry out, Jesus, come into the ring, that's when we knew the hero had arrived. In our, in our text here, the Jews, they were in a sense of hopelessness. They were in the midst of, of a life that their common day, the common day, everyday Jew, their hope, their faith was being dashed. They, 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 their experiences of God seemed hopeless. God had not spoken for hundreds of years. They had not heard from God. They were just going by day by day by day by day. They were occupied and basically made slaves and, and, and life was hard. They hadn't heard from God in hundreds of years. They had lost all their possessions. They had lost their homeland. There was nothing left to give them any kind of hope. They were burdened and they were oppressed. And, and I can't help but think that they were thinking in their minds, has God forgotten His promises? There's nothing left. We are beaten down. Their little village, if you will, if it was the Israelites, it wasn't a little village, but still, they were beaten down and the oppressor was in and Satan was seemed to be ruling and they just didn't have any which way to turn. But then what happens? John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the man who lived by that code of conduct. He was the man. He was our, our Gene Autry, if you will, with the white hat. He was the man that could come onto the scene. He didn't wear a white cowboy hat. But what he did wear was the garments that were known to be the garments of the prophets of old. All of a sudden, here are the Israelites, and they're all going everywhere, and they don't have, they, they have no hope anymore. They're thinking God's forgotten them. And all of a sudden, here comes this man wearing camel hair and, and eating grasshoppers and honey, and, and they say, wow, that's like a prophet of old. And here is a man that not only came in with wearing these clothing, he had the courage to pull the trigger. He had the courage to stand out and say, you people, listen to me. The people knew from history. They didn't know what he was, but they knew from history that the prophets of old dressed this way. The prophets of old had courage in this way. The prophets of old, they, they walked this way, talked this way. He is our hero. He must be our prophet. He must be the one that, that, that is going to remind us of God's glory and God's strength. And they look at John the Baptist and they are moved. They are moved quickly. Why? Because they needed that hero. It was God's given task to John to go and announce to the people. Go to the people and tell them that their real hero is coming. Now they're looking to John and John's saying, Whoa, no, I am, I am just the sidekick of that hero. You want to put your faith in me? Listen to what I have to say. But your faith needs to come in the one that's coming after me that I'm not even fit to untie his sandals. The real hero is coming. And the people start moving. It says when the hero rode onto the scene there, they all started coming out of the cities and they start going out into the highways and the byways. They wanted to go to the river where John was. They wanted to hear his preaching. They wanted to be baptized. They wanted to hear what he had to say. Why? Because he brought hope. He brought hope because he had the courage to live that moral code that God had given him. He had the courage to stand amongst the oppressors and preach the gospel message. He had the courage to say what God laid on his heart to say. John the Baptist was offering them a way to keep their faith in knowing God to a people who were in the midst of a, a hopeless situation. But he didn't care what the situation looked like. He stood tall and he stood firm and said, I will be the one who announces the hero who is coming. Folks, I would tell you this morning, as we get move ahead in our sermon just a little bit, we need to be announcing the hero that the world needs. We need to have the courage to be that man that rides in, living on that code of conduct and that morality, and be able to say to a lost and dying world that, yes, I am not your hero. John the Baptist didn't claim to be the hero, but I sure can tell you about the one that I'm not even fit to untie his sandals. He is the one who is the hero. John was telling them, this is more than just talk. It is more than just me. John's call is telling them, now don't just come out here and talk about what you're going to do. He's telling them, it's a time for a call to action. John says, if you really want to meet the hero, you've got to commit yourself. John's saying, you need to come down to the river. You need to come down here and get yourself prepared for the meeting. The hero is going to come, but you need to show him that you're willing. In that movie, in The Magnificent Seven, Yul Brynner gets up and gets the people together because they're kind of wishy-washy, and he says, look, I need to know right now, are you committed or not? I need to know, are you willing to step forward or not? Now, that was a movie, but I'm going to say John did the same thing. Are you committed? If so, in the midst of the hopelessness, in the midst of the oppressors, 
walk down to this river and let me baptize you with water. Because if you are willing to show that you are choosing to follow Christ and be baptized by water today, He who will come tomorrow will baptize you with fire, with the Holy Spirit of God. Hallelujah. In Mark chapter 1, look at this with me. In Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 4, he says this, John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were flocking to him, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. John wore a camel hair garment with a leather belt around the waist and ate locusts and wild honey. He was preaching, someone more powerful than I will come after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Praise God. He's saying, you know, I am going to baptize you with water, but I am just preparing you for a meeting of the one who came and he created the heavens and the earth. He created the very morality in which we live by. He is coming and he is coming to see you. What we see in the old Western movies, guys, was good people who who being physically rescued by this oppressive grip of evil that had on their lives. We'd see the good guys coming in and, and shooting them up and taking all the bad guys down and locking them in the jail. I can't wait to see the remake of The Magnificent Seven. I, I, I keep saying that, and yet I haven't made it there yet because of my leg and such, but it's, that time is coming. But that's what we were looking for in those movies. We wanted to see the good guys win. What, it, what we feel inside our soul, guys, it, during those movies, I think, is a confirmation of the, the strength of morality that, that good guys had by living that code of goodness. When we can see within those good guys, that's the purpose, was the purpose of those movies, that the, by living a good life, by doing what God has called us to do, by standing on morality, we can look to our hero and know that things are going to come out the way they're supposed to. Living by that, living by a good moral code meant good guys were there for their family. They were there for their neighbors. They were there. John the Baptist, he came not just to save his people, I mean this person or that person, not to save this family or that family. He came and said, whomsoever, listen unto me. If you're willing to commit, come to the river. And it says the town, they were flocking out of the towns to him. John's call was to all the good people. And he said, God's going to come and he is going to fulfill the promises that has been given unto you. Over 400 years, they haven't heard anything like this. But yet, as soon as they hear this man of God, as soon as they hear someone who's truly living by a moral code of conduct come and say, I'm not the hero, but I can point you to the one who is, they started flocking to the river. They started coming to him in droves. The people responded. There was a mass exodus of the cities coming out into the wilderness where John was preaching at the Jordan River, and they were all wanting to be baptized. They were all standing right there. You see, John, though he was a hero of type, he was just introducing these people. He was bringing them to an opportunity to experience a relationship with God. Folks, what I'm trying to say this morning is as Christians... Now, if you're here and you don't know Christ, I'm going to speak to you in just a moment. But as Christians, we should be just like John the Baptist. We should be living a life built upon the moral code of conduct that God has laid out for us in the Scriptures so that when we walk into the midst of the dire situations, when we walk into the relational issues between parents and children, when we, between, between husbands and wives, but when we walk into the dire situations of financial de- uh, destitutes and 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 all the different problems in this world, we should be able to walk in not just wearing a white hat. They should see the righteous, moral lifestyle of Christ in us. And when they look to us and they say, you're my hero, we should be able to say, no, I'm not your hero. But by praise God, I can lead you to the one who is. I can take you to the one who created the morals that I live by. I can take you to the the one who created the standards in which I try to live by. I can take you to the one who can truly bring peace. I can show you and give you an opportunity to experience God. John was proclaiming that there was one mightier than him coming. And folks, I am saying the same thing this morning. And I would pray that you in your workplaces, in your homes, in your families, wherever you may go, I pray that you are doing the same thing. That you're telling people that there is one after me who is mightier than I. You think I'm something? I am nothing. I am absolutely nothing. 
But the one who is coming is everything. And if you like the what you see in my life, in the morality and the, and, and the, the code of conduct, then let me tell you the one who created it all, who perfected it, not only lived by it, but created it, is coming behind me. That's what we've been called to do. That's when, we're, when the weapon is put together and taken into the hand and fired at the evil one. That's when things are done the way they are supposed to be done. That's when we as Christians are being utilized in the whole body, sharing the body, spreading the body, building the kingdom of God. When we quit sitting around being the ones that are feeling hopeless and realize our hope is in the hero of Jesus Christ and become the heroes to others. That's what we've been called to do. He who, who, who wears a white hat not only had to, to, to live by a moral code, that Jesus Christ didn't just have to live by a moral code, he created it. And when I tell people that, that don't look at what I do, I'm just trying to copy the man who created it, but if you look to him, he can change your life. That's what we've been called to do. And I can tell them just as John said, he is coming so that he can come and, and, and baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He's going to come and he's going to change your life. Sure, I can teach you scripture. You can come to my Sunday school class, my Sunday evening class. We can have Bible studies. And you can come and let me preach to you on a Sunday morning like this. And I can share the scriptures with you. But folks, let me tell you, I am but a man. I am just a sinner, just like everyone else, saved by the grace of God, praise God. But there is one who is greater than I, who said that if you will open your heart unto him, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit will move in and dwell within you. And then the fruits of the Spirit, Spirit from Galatians 5, will take hold in your life, and your life will then change, and you will be that next John the Baptist. You can start taking the gospel and going where it needs to go. This experience has to come through a belief in Jesus Christ as the, as the Son of God and as the risen Savior. It hasn't changed. Just as John the Baptist preached it then, we should be preaching it today. Modern day people still need to perform an action to, to allow the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God in their lives. They still need to surrender. I wish that I could just lead everyone, to, that I could go and touch people and, make, and, and have Christ fill them. That's not the way it works. I can't go and just touch you and the Holy Spirit fill you. That's not the way it works. You have to make the decision to climb out of the hopelessness and put your hope in the hero, which is Jesus Christ. I can lead you to Him. I can open the opportunity. But then you must react. Just as John the Baptist was telling the people then, he's telling you and I today, if you are here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would share with you this morning that the same God that John was talking about then is still just as active and mighty and is present today. And if you will turn to Him, however the hopeless the situation may seem around you, circumstances may not change. They may also, but they may not change. But the peace that you have from the inside of knowing that you don't have to be ruled by the desperados, you can be ruled by He who created all, will change how you look at the situation. We have a hero, folks. We have a hero, and His name is Jesus Christ. We just need to accept that man on the white horse wearing the white hat. In Revelations it says that Jesus is going to return. He's going to be riding that white horse. He's going to be out in the front, and on His leg, written in blood, says, Lord of lords, King of kings. Folks, I'm telling you that Jesus Christ is the hero, and when He comes back, even the devil, as mighty as He is and as powerful as He is, is going to have to stand down. For there is no one nor anything that is greater than my God. You can either sit in the hopelessness or you can choose to ride with Christ. That is the way to everlasting life, folks. That is the the way to have God's presence with us during the troubles in this life is making the decision to choose to believe that Jesus is whom He said He was, the Son of God, dead, buried, and resurrected on the third day. And it's in that Christ we can find hope. If you look to your neighbors for hope, they're going to let you down. You may even look to me for your hope. And folks, I wish I could tell you that that I am perfect, but I'm not going to be there for you all the time. But if you look to Christ, there you'll see true perfection. Even John the Baptist, as mighty of a man as he was later on in the Scriptures, he says that he sent a letter down to Christ when he was about to be beheaded and said, just remind me, you are the one, right? Jesus said, you remember and you have seen. John, yep, okay, I I remember. 
As men, we may falter, we may stumble, but Christ never will. Look at, look, look at the rest, or look at another part of that story, picking up in verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. As soon as he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending to him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, and I take delight in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Folks, to fill all that was right and, and, and holy, Jesus even came to the Jordan. He came down to the Jordan to be baptized by John's baptism. But then God Almighty, God the Father, proved the sign, the identification promised by John. Because John said, that there is one coming after me that I'm not even worthy to unlatch his shoelaces. There is one coming. And what did God do? God let him get down. And when he came out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended upon him and the Holy Spirit come down in the form of a dove. He may not have had a white 10-gallon Stetson on his head, but that white dove meant the same thing. This is our hero. This is the one whom we are to put our faith. This is the one whom will take us through the hard times. This is the one who brings hope in the midst of the hopelessness. This is the, 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 the white-hatted hero that is going to save the day. John's job was to, to, to announce that they need a relationship with God, and then he presented God to them. Folks, the good news is that that's still the same story today. The gospel message in the book of Mark, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and all the epistles thereafter, has not changed. That same Jesus that came down to the water and the, the Spirit of God descended like a white dove upon his shoulders is the same Creator that it can be our hero today. He brings the same peace to the midst of our, our hopelessness. We need a hero in our soul. Just as I was saying in those movies, Americans need to understand that there was a hero. And what to build a great country, it needed to be built on morality. It needed to be built on a moral code of conduct. This country would be so different today if Hollywood still had those same ideals in their movies. Unfortunately, it's gone the opposite direction, and we see the country going in the opposite direction as well. But if we would get back as Christians to understanding that we need a hero built upon morality, a, mor- a hero built upon good moral character, a hero that not is just built upon him, but built that moral character, if we will understand that we need Jesus Christ, not just in our lives, but everyone around us needs him as well, maybe we just might quit being the pieces of that weapon broke out on that table and start assembling ourselves into what we were called to be. Maybe we could be the weapon that God chooses to use to share the gospel. Folks, the call this morning is personal to our inner soul. When Jesus speaks to us, He he can broadcast a great message, but He speaks to each one of us individually, directly to our soul. And it's not just words. God speaks what we need to hear. He needs to speak Or he does speak right to our psyche, if you will. He lets us know, you need a hero. I know you do. And I exist to be your hero. I love you, and out of my grace, I have devised a way of mercy for you. Because out of my grace, I chose to pull you out of the the sinful life that you have fallen into. And because I want to be your hero, I have made a pathway of mercy through my Son, Jesus Christ. He is your hero if you will put your faith in Him and trust Him in Him. If you will take Jesus Christ as your hero, then you don't have to go through life with a hopelessness. The doctor says you have a month. The lawyer says that this is happening. Your bank account says you're broke. Whatever it may be, I can have peace and joy in knowing that my hero wasn't made by Hollywood. My hero wasn't made by even Louis L'Amour, as much as I love these magazines and books and such. My hero was made by God the Father. His name is Jesus Christ, the Son of the Most High God. And I choose to not only accept Him as my hero, but I choose now to don the, the, the good guy or the white hat, whatever you want to call it, and take him out into the world and walk into those situations just as John the Baptist did and not try to take credit, but to let them know there's one who comes after me who I'm not, will, I'm not able to unstrap his boot sandals. He is the real hero if you will listen.
the question this morning is, how do you keep faith when you're in your hope when everything seems hopeless? How do you keep faith when everything around you is coming down? The answer is take John's call, heed John's call, and put our faith in our hero, Jesus Christ. We need to confess our sins, come before him, be baptized, and experience a relationship with Jesus Christ as our personal redeemer. That's the only way. That's the only way. You may say, but I haven't heard from Christ in so many years. I knew him when I was a child, and I, I haven't heard him in so long. I used to go to church when I was little. Well, I've been in church all these many years, and I, I lost contact with him. I would say, stop and look for him again. And accept that blessed gift that Christ is to offer. He says, I win. I've already won. I've written the end of the book, and Satan knows how it's going to end. And I wear the white hat. I have the dove descended upon me. I am your hero. Those who choose not, as Steve McQueen would say, are going to be filled with that hot lead. Actually, it's worse than hot lead because it's eternal damnation that was, that was set aside for the devil. Separation from their creator forever. Folks, I would just submit to you this morning, that's not where you want to be. That's not where you want to be. Hell was created for the devil and his angels, not for you. God said, I love you. I care for you. And for that reason, I sent a hero. Wearing white. All you have to do is step back and allow that hero to come in and save the day and to save your soul. You can choose that side this morning and then choose to go out and be that John the Baptist and share that with the world and tell the world about who Christ is and, and share what Christ is. Or... You can choose the side that gets filled with all the hot lead and all the the burning sulfur and everything else that comes with the devil's hell. We need heroes. Jesus Christ is the hero. And I would say after him, you and I should be going out being the heroes in a lost and dying world. We need to put on the, the righteousness of God. Not holier than thou but go out and let people know that if you will repent, turn from your wicked ways, that the one who saved me will save you. It's your decision this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to get that straight. If you do know Him as your Lord and Savior, then it's time to go out and be as John the Baptist and and go out into the highways and the byways and proclaim His coming. If you choose not to be John the Baptist, nor accept Jesus Christ as your Lord, then understand that you're on the opposite side of that line, wearing that black hat, and if it was a Hollywood Western, you know what's going to happen to you, unless you're Yul Brenner. You know what's going to happen to you. You're not going to make it out of the movie alive. It's your decision this morning. What is your choice? We all need heroes. Will you accept Jesus as yours and then go and be one for someone else and lead them to Christ? That's what the Lord laid on my heart this morning, this weekend. We need not to be that magnificent seven. We need to be the magnificent church of Christ. Quit getting our card punched and go out and be heroes again. Let's share the gospel. Let's live a life based upon moral conduct and code that God has laid out for us. He created it. It can't be bad. You want peace in your life? Live your life the way God designed it to be lived. As Bob Braden shared in his scripture this morning, we have all been knit together as bones with sinews. We are one with another in the body of Christ. Let's quit carrying dead weight. Let's all go back to being heroes this morning. I'm going to ask us to stand. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. I'd love to come down and pray with you. I mean, you can come down and I'll pray with you. You can pray at this altar. Or you can come up or pray right where you're at. Whatever the Lord may be leading you to do. But will you do whatever God's calling you to do this morning? Don't sit back and continue to wear that black hat and or sit back waiting on the heroes to come to you. Be that hero. 
take the gospel to others. It's your choice what you choose to be this morning as we pray. Father God, I come before you this morning. I, I thank you, Lord, for first, Lord, for giving me the ability to stand and, and preach your message and be used by you, Lord God. And God, I just pray that as we go into this time of invitation, that others will make that make a stand for you. That they'll preach your gospel the way you would have them to, that they would make a decision in their lives to follow you. God, I pray your will to be done at this time of invitation. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we sing this morning, guys.